Well, five minutes is up, I think. Uh, let's put our hands together. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, welcome to church. Amen. Today we're starting a new message series called World Shakers. Say that with me, World Shakers. And uh, the ashes have given this little flyer here. If you know somebody who has a desire to do something great in their life, I want you to give them that during this week and tell them we're talking about how to become world shakers. Amen. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, hey, Mr. World Shaker, or hey, Mrs. World Shaker, or Miss World Shaker. Tell them, World Shaker, if you were not here today, I would be the best looking person in this room. But too bad you came today. I'm actually glad you came in the house of God. Somebody shout, World Shakers. Amen. How many people are believing God for some friends, teenagers, that you just know that they're, maybe they're struggling because God's called them for something greater. Amen. They, they feel it. They feel that they were not called for the, they were not born for the mundane, that they were called and born for something greater than just a mere existence. Amen. How many people know that God doesn't create things without a purpose? There's a reason why God creates things. There's a reason why God creates things. Amen. And God's created you to make a difference. I dare believe that God's created you to make a difference in, his sphere, in your sphere of influence. To make a difference in this world. Come on, somebody shout amen. You are an original. You are an original. You know, in economics, there's a law called the law of rarity. Somebody say the law of rarity. It's very simple. Simply means the more rare a product is, the more precious and expensive it is. Okay, so diamonds are very expensive because they're what? They're rare to find. Now, wood is very cheap because it's not rare. You can find it everywhere, right? But things that are rare to find are very expensive. That's why you have a, a set of fingerprints that nobody has ever had past, present, or future. You are rare. God was trying to make a point. If you get arrested today, they're going to fingerprint you because nobody else past, present, and future has ever had or will ever have your set of fingerprints. You are an original. You can have twins or triplets or quadruplets and none of them will have the same set of fingerprints. God was saying you are rare, and because you are rare, you are precious, and God has called you to do something great in this place. Come on, somebody get excited for your future in this place. Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. Get excited for your future. Great. Get excited because God has called you to do some great things. So we're going to go through this message series, and week number one, which is today, we're going to speak about world shakers influence their atmosphere. World shakers influence their atmosphere. And then week number two, we're going to talk about world shakers ask questions many people are not willing to ask. World, world shakers ask questions that many people are not willing to ask. Steve Jobs asked the question, I told you last Sunday, why is it that the computer is only a commercial device? Why can't we reapply this little piece of equipment, this big piece of equipment at the time and consolidate it, reapply it, make it small, 
and make it domestic because this thing can be a blessing if we can give it to every home and many people. And so because of asking that question, he began to do something that many people had never done before. You may just be a question away from the greatest innovation in your life. You may just be a question away from the greatest change that you've never seen before. And then week number three, we're going to talk about world shakers know how to benefit from challenges. And then week number four, world shakers rely on strategy, not just their gift. Week number five, world shakers feel the heartbeat of God. Amen. Let's read our Bibles. Let's go to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. To get, today I'm going to give you a secret of how to shake your world. Amen. Are you ready for this? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, be excited about shaking your world. Hallelujah. This is a revelation God gave me years ago. And it's been, it's been a secret of our ministry. God's used us to go into regions that were barren. We've seen God shift those regions because of this revelation here today. 1 Samuel 16. I want us to read the Bible together. LJ, if you can project that scripture, I'd love for us to read together. 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I'm just going to start. Oh, there we go. Let's read the Bible together. Can we do that? Here we go. One, two, three, go. Awesome. Let's stop right there. Go and seek out a man who is a skillful player. Somebody shout skillful. Go and seek out a man who is skillful. It says, let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful. They're talking about King Saul. King Saul was a king in Israel, in Jerusalem. And he would have this manic depression attacks. A deadly spirit, a demonic spirit would come upon him and he would start manifesting. Let's, let's go back a little actually. LJ, you skipped a scripture there. We, let's go back to verse 14. Verse 14. Verse, there we go. Let's read that together again. One, two, three. But the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul... Surely a distressing spirit from God. Keep that scripture there. I want to explain this. I want to explain this. The Bible says, but the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. You do not want the spirit of the Lord to depart from your life. God had rejected Saul and the spirit of God had been removed from Saul. And because that happened, an evil spirit came on him. How many people know that when light is removed, darkness comes? Now, I want to explain this scripture for you, to, for you because it says, But the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now, I want you to know that God cannot send a bad spirit, an evil spirit to you. So when the scripture says, and a distressing spirit troubled Saul, what does this mean? I want to explain this to you. Now, the Spirit of God had departed from Saul. The light had been removed, so darkness came. And how many people know that when darkness comes, when you're in the middle of sinning, that your conscience is going to eat you up? You start getting troubled by your conscience because you become an enemy to the, to the Spirit of God and you start getting troubled. That's, what's, that's what was going on here. A distressing spirit. He was being distressed because he was feeling guilty.
for doing the wrong things. So I don't want to confuse you, but get this. As soon as the Spirit of God is removed, somebody shout removed. One more time, removed. And then the Spirit of darkness comes in. Somebody say comes in. And then you're going to be distressed. Your conscience is going to eat you up. Let's continue reading. Next verse. 16. One, two, three, go. Let our master... Stop right there. A man who's skillful. Somebody shout skillful. So here's Saul. The spirit of God has departed and an evil spirit has come and is getting depressed and is getting into this, this manic attacks. And somebody, a servant says, let's get a man who can play some music. Let's get a man who can play, some, who can play the harp so that when the, when the distressing spirit, when the evil spirit comes upon Saul, he can begin to make music. And then he's going to have peace, right? Skillful man. Go to the next scripture. Here we go. Saul, Saul, say to his servant, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Saul said, okay, there's an evil spirit on me. I need somebody to come play. Now check this out. Let's go. Let's continue reading. One, two, three, go. Then one of the servants answered and said, look. Who's a skillful at playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. And the Lord is, one more time, shout it. And the Lord is, you guys are doing a great job reading the word of God. <laughs> it's good to read the word of God. So here's the story. Here's Saul. The spirit of God has departed and the evil spirit has come. And a servant says, we need to bring a man who can play. Keep the scripture there. We need to bring a man who can play, who is skillful. But how many people know that skill alone is not going to chase a devil? That skill alone is not, not going to remove a demonic spirit. So this servant was very smart. Look at the person he brings. He brings somebody. The Bible says they bring someone who is David, the son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite. Now check out his resume. Check out this brother's resume. This brother is hooked up. Number one. Skillful at playing. Somebody shout skill. So yes, this dude was very skillful. We need to be good at our jobs, people of God. We need to become good at what we do as Christians. And then number two, here's what else he had. A mighty man of valor. Somebody shouted, a mighty man of valor. Woo! He had integrity. Come on, we, we, we want to see some people who are skilled, but they also have integrity. And then the third one, check out his resume. He was a mighty man of war. A man of war. I added mighty there. He was a man of war. And then number four, he was prudent in speech. Mighty man of war. Somebody shout war. This is also a metaphor that stands for prayer. He was a prayer warrior. He could pray. How many people know we need some people who are skillful? We need some people who have integrity, but they also know how to pray. Amen. And then check out, check it out, check it out. He was prudent in speech. Oh, he was articulate. He could present himself. He could advocate for people. And then another one. And he was a handsome person. Somebody say, hey. He was a handsome person. He was good looking. He had presentation. He was presentable. And then lastly, the Lord is with him. 
You can have all those things, but if God is not with you, you're in trouble. The Bible says the Lord was with him. So here Saul is being troubled by these spirits. They say, bring a skillful person. But they didn't only bring a skillful person. They, they brought a person who had all these things. And most importantly, the Lord was with him. I want to say, I want to give you a tweet right now. I want to give you a statement. I want you to say, your atmosphere influences your thoughts, your words, and your actions. Your atmosphere influences your thoughts, your words, and your actions. Say that with me. Your atmosphere influences one more time in, in unison your atmosphere influences your now say to your neighbor your atmosphere influences your thoughts if you're gonna be a world shaker you need to be a person who knows how to shift your atmosphere you need to be a person who knows how to influence your surroundings because ultimately, your atmosphere and your surrounding is going to influence your thoughts, your words, and your actions. You need to be a person who's not a slave to the atmosphere at your workplace. You're not a slave to the atmosphere in your family. Doesn't matter what kind of pain and what kind of diseases, what kind of stuff are happening in your family. If you're going to be a world shaker, you need to be a person who's influencing your atmosphere because atmosphere. Ultimately, your atmosphere influences your thoughts, your words, and your... I want to give you some examples here. Have you ever been at a place where you're just kind of sad and you feel lonely? Single people, you just, just kind of just feel lonely, right? And all of a sudden, somebody plays a love song that you used to play when you were dating somebody back in the days. You know, every couple has their song, right? Come on, don't look at me like that. You know you have those, those songs, you know, boys to men and, and back in the days, right? And that song begins to play. I've seen people at a wedding where they're sitting there and, and, and a song begins to play and they begin to wipe tears. What just happened? That song just shifted the atmosphere and reminded you of back in the days. Come on, somebody in this place. Reminded you back in the day. Have you ever been somewhere on a Monday morning and you're just kind of sad? You're just kind of sad. And all of a sudden, somebody begins to play some happy music, some Pharrell Williams. Because I'm happy coming on. Come on, somebody. Right? You're sad. You're going through a very difficult day and you just, you just hear this music. What happens? The atmosphere, what? Shifts. And all of a sudden, you're like this, man. You're... I mean, you, you are so sad. One minute you're sad and the next moment you're dancing like this. You know why? Because your atmosphere influences your thoughts, your words, and your... One more time. Your atmosphere influences your thoughts, your words, and your... Now, have you, have you ever been... Let me give you a few more examples. Have you ever been at a place and Christmas, Christmas time, right? You go to the mall. My wife and I do this. We go to the mall. And they play the right music. They just, they just play the right Christmas music. And that music is going chestnuts rusting and all that kind of stuff. Just, and we're just, we're just dancing and we're shopping. And I'm looking at my wife and my wife is like, hey, honey, can I get a coach bag? And I'm like, yes, honey, get whatever you want. And I'm just dancing away. Honey, can I buy a two box for my dad? Okay, I like your dad. Get one. Come on. And we're just dancing away. And she comes to me, honey, I just love you. 
And I say, yes, honey, you love the coach back and me on the side, but, but you love that coach. And we're just having a good time. We're just buying stuff. And then we get out of the store, right? And the music has been shut off. All of a sudden, I can, I can hear my own breath, right? And things are quiet. And my, my wife goes, honey, thank you so much for the coach bag. I'm like, what? Who told you to buy a coach bag? <laughs> honey, no, seriously, you said I could buy this. I'm like, seriously, did you ask me to buy a coach bag? Why would you do that? You know we don't have money. Come on. No, honey, but I asked you. And, and thanks for the two bucks for my dad. So, who said you could buy a two bucks for your dad? Did I tell you that? Yes, honey, you told me. Why did you listen to me? You shouldn't have listened to me. You know what happened? Somebody shout the music. The atmosphere is because your atmosphere has power to influence your thoughts, your words, and your, and your actions. I saw a movie one time where there was these kids, teenagers. They went into a school and they killed other kids. And they went into the interrogation room and they began to speak to, there was a lady who was interrogating, a detective who was interrogating these kids. And she was saying, Man, where do you kids get the courage to kill other people? What, what, what happened? And she broke down and she cried. She left the interrogation room. And she broke down. And then she went back in there with one question in mind. She said, I, I just need to ask you guys. I just need to ask you. Where do you get the courage to go and kill people? You guys are not killers. And the kids say, you know, ma'am, we, we get in a car and we light a blunt and we just let it fill up, just smoke up and just permeate and saturate the entire car. And then we play some hate music, some crazy rock music, some crazy hip-hop music. We just play this hateful stuff. And, and then we sit in there and permeate and just get saturated by the smoke and the music. And, and we just suck it all in. And she says, ma'am, when this happens, we have so much courage, we can kill anybody, including our own mothers. What just happened? Your atmosphere has power to influence your thoughts, your words, and your... Oh, come on. Somebody, somebody shouted in this place. Your atmosphere has power to influence your thoughts, your words, and your actions. I want you to know that you end up becoming a victim of your atmosphere. And if you don't know how to shift your atmosphere, you will never become a world shaker. You have to learn how to take control of your atmosphere. Have you ever been at the gym, right? Nobody goes to the gym and they're listening to amazing grace, right? No, you hit the gym and you go, come on, gung gum You're going at it, right? Because your atmosphere is influencing your thoughts, your words, and your... And then you work out so hard. I remember one time, I hadn't been to the gym in a long time. Man, I, my kids told me about this Gundam thing. I don't know where in the world they got it from. We told them not to play that thing again. But I was in the gym working out, working out. Three hours I was in there, buddy. I mean, Bobby getting it, man. And then I came out of that place, walked to the car. And just I'm feeling the energy. It's good. I drove for 20 minutes only. And I told my legs, legs, get me out of this car. And the legs say, uh-uh. I said, right leg, get out of this car. Uh-uh. I literally had to lift my leg, lift the other leg, turn the key, and painful. What happened? The atmosphere influenced my thoughts, my words, and my 
I'm teaching you a secret here today. There are two groups of people. There are people that I call thermostats and there are people that I call thermometers. There's a difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. Somebody shout thermometer. Thermostat. You can be in a room and it's cold. It's 60 degrees. It's freezing. And people are shaking. Oh my God, it's cold in here. It's freezing. You can't think right. It's, it's cold in here. I'm, we're miserable and people are getting agitated and antsy and mad. It's cold in here. But then you can go to the thermostat and turn the dial and turn it to 72. And all of a sudden, instead of shivering and shaking, people are happy. They're smiling. They're just excited. They're nice to each other. What just happened? The thermostat has power to change the atmosphere. Somebody shout change. The thermostat has power to shift the atmosphere. It's got a dial so you can change the atmosphere. Now, the thermometer cannot change the atmosphere. The thermometer simply reports what's happening in the room. So the thermometer simply says, it's cold in here. It's freezing in here. We're going to die. It's cold. Oh, my God. It's, it's cold in here. The thermometer is a slave to its atmosphere. The thermometer can never shift the atmosphere. Just cries. And if it's 100 degrees, the thermometer is just going to cry. It's too hot in here. It's 100 degrees. Please, somebody do something about it. The thermometer simply reports what's happening in the atmosphere. But the thermostat changes and shifts the atmosphere. And my question to you is, are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? Are you a slave of your environment? Are you a slave of your neighborhood? A slave to what's happening in your family? Are you a slave to your atmosphere? Are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? You see, David was a thermostat. Saul was a thermometer. When the evil spirits would come, he would be tormented. He would lose his joy. He's tormented. He, he would be depressed. But David would come as a thermostat. He would begin to play music and the atmosphere would shift and shift and change. And those demonic forces would lift off. I'm waiting for a generation that's just... Just not going to sit down, but they're going to begin to shift the atmospheres in their families, in their neighborhoods, in their communities, and in their schools. Somebody shout hallelujah. Listen, I came to Boston, 1998, and they told me this place is empty. This place is cold. I said, God's given me visions for thousands of people gathering together. And pastors told me, son, this is not Africa. This doesn't happen here. This is not Texas. This is not Atlanta. This is, this is not Houston. This is Boston. Nobody wants to do that. But I felt God saying, son, you are a thermostat. You're here to shift something. You're here to bring something that's not here. I want you to know you don't have to be a slave of your environment in the name of Jesus. I speak it over you in the name of Jesus that you're going to be atmosphere shifters in your area in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. You cannot be a slave of your atmosphere. This is what's happening with a lot of people. We've become slaves to our atmosphere. You just, you just, you're a thermostat. You have to shift the atmosphere. Some of us are thermometers. We just repeat what's happening in our family. There's high blood pressure in my family. It's 60 degrees in here. 
there's, there's sugar diabetes in my family, so I'm going to have sugar diabetes. There's, there's divorce in my family, so I'm, I'm going to end up there. There's, you, just, you become a thermometer. You just report what's going on. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. You have to begin to declare things in the atmosphere. I want to give you four things real quickly that are going to cause you and help you to shift your atmosphere. What you need to do in order to shift your atmosphere. Are you ready? Number one, you need to build a lifestyle of prayer. You need to build a lifestyle of prayer. I'm going to slow things down and take, take a moment here. You know, the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 6, it says, Jesus was teaching his disciples and he says, when you pray, say, let your kingdom come on earth and let your will be done in earth as it is where? In heaven. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Shift the atmosphere on earth as it is in heaven. You see, God has given us free will. God has given us free will. God would never force you to say yes to him. God will never force you. You have to say yes to him. Jesus, I want you in my heart. I want you to come in my life. And I'm saying yes to you. You have to give God permission to come into your life. In the same way, prayer gives God the permission, the spiritual jurisdiction to come into an area. You have to say, you have to pray. You have to say, let your kingdom come in this home. Let your kingdom come in our marriage. We give you space and control in this home. We give you space and control in this neighborhood, in my community. You need to go to that school down the road from your house and say, let your kingdom come in this place in Jesus' name. You need to begin to pray for those kids. Every night I go to my, my kids' bedrooms and I go and I begin to pray for them. I, I lay hands on each one of those kids every single night. I say, God, let your kingdom come on my Zenzo. Let him love you, oh God. God, I give you permission. I release you. Let him fall in love with you. Let him dream big dreams in the name of Jesus. I pray for my Sarah. God, raise her to be a prophetess of the gospel. Raise her. Give her innovations, oh God. I pray for my Joshua. Let him be a fighter in the kingdom. I pray for my Anaya. And then I go and I pray for my beautiful wife. God, raise up this woman. Give her peace today. Give her joy. Every single day, my wife and I, we pray together. She prays for me and I pray for her. God, bless my wife today. Give her the courage as she takes, takes care of kids today. Help her. Help her to not go crazy. And then she prays for me. God, bless my husband. Give him peace as he leads today, as he does what he has, he has to do today. Help him today. We pray for one another, and I love to hear my wife pray for me. And she loves to hear me pray for her. What are we doing? We are bringing God's presence down. We are shifting the atmosphere, and we're giving God Room to come and work. We, begin, we need to begin to pray. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you have to pray. Come on, speak to them. Speak to them and say, you have to pray. I am telling you, if we don't pray, the devil takes charge of those areas. You have to say, let your kingdom come in my school. Let your kingdom come in America. Let your kingdom come in my community. Let your kingdom come to these schools. You have to begin to ask God to come into that area, and you need to begin to shift the atmosphere. Every week I pray with my pastor. Every Thursdays I pray with him. We pray for our lives, and we begin to ask God to shift the atmosphere. You need to begin to pray several levels of prayer. You have to have a prayer partner that you pray with. But before you do that, you need to pray by yourself. And then after that, you have to pray 
in a community like this, that's why we pray together as a church. The first thing you need to do is you need to develop a lifestyle of prayer. Somebody shout amen. Second thing you need to do to shift your atmosphere is you need to surround yourself with faith-filled people. Not every Christian has faith. I'll tell you that. Not every Christian has faith. I just told you the story. When I came here, I told pastors. These were pastors. Say, pastors, God's given me this vision to do this. And they, t they were talking me out of it. And I got depressed. I went to bed at 1 o'clock in the afternoon saying, I'll never be able, be able to do this vision. Until I met a crazy Italian man called Bobby Ainello. He was praying with a bunch of men in this place. And I went to see him and I said, here's a vision that God's given me. And I, and I thought he was going to tell me this cannot be done. He was like, man, we can do better than that. I said, wow, that's, why, that's exactly what I need right there. And then I, I met another Italian man, another Irish man actually called Bobby, called Dan McCarthy. And he says, Zenza, we can do that. Gunness Arena, we can pack that place up with 8,000 people. He said, man, we can go to Fenway. One moment these guys were discouraging me. The next moment I met some faith-filled people and the atmosphere shifted. Atmosphere shifted. You need to surround yourself with some faith-filled people who can look at you and say, girlfriend, we can do this. We can get the job done. You have to surround yourself with faith-filled people. And one of the things you need to do, you need to learn to tune out people who don't have faith. I go into a lot of meetings and sometimes I'm sitting there and I hear people say stuff and I tune some people out. You can't have that negativity feeling you. It's shifting your atmosphere. Have you ever been in a restaurant and somebody walks in there completely drunk, smelling like they've been smoking? They sh they, I mean, we're not criticizing anybody. How many people know those people need Jesus? But you can go into a restaurant and somebody walks in there and the entire atmosphere shifts. Entire atmosphere shifts. All of a sudden, you know, it's just different. I've been to meetings before where the meeting is going great. There's some faith-filled people in there. They're saying great stuff. And then some negative somebody walks in there thinking they're more experienced than God and begins to speak their stuff. And the meeting just shifts. All of a sudden, people are agitated. Something is changing. You know what just happened? The atmosphere just shifts. You need to learn to take charge of your atmosphere. Take charge of that atmosphere. Turn to your neighbor tell them, take charge of your atmosphere. Number three, you need to learn to declare God's word into your atmosphere. Ezekiel came to a place called the Valley of Dry Bones. And God said to him, what do you see? He says, I see bones. They are dry. They're dead. And God said, can, can they live again? And Ezekiel said, God, you know better. And God said, no, no, no. You need to speak a word. You need to prophesy over these dry bones. And he began to speak, thus saith the Lord. You need to learn to declare God's words into your atmosphere. I am not what you say I'm going to be. I am going to be what the word of God says I'm going to be. I'm not going to do what you think I'm going to do. I'm going to do what the word of God says I'm going to do. And the word of God says I am great. Greater is he who lives in me than he that's in the world. The word of God says I am the head and not the tail. The word of God says I am a lender and not a borrower. The word of God says I can do great things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Begin to speak life into the dry bones of your family. Don't be a thermometer. Don't just say we're going to be sick. We're going to end up in divorce this week. It's going to be difficult. 
God. Say, no cancer can come into my family. I speak the life of God. I speak the healing of God. No diabetes can come into the house of God. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah and shift your atmosphere. Hey, you need to learn to begin to speak into the atmosphere. Refuse sickness in your home. Refuse death in your home in the name of Jesus. Declare God's word. And the fourth one, worship. Somebody shall worship. Paul and Silas were in a jail cell. They were chained. And they began to worship God and they began to shift the atmosphere. And the Bible says chains fell. And it wasn't just the chains of the two people who were worshiping. It was everybody else in that entire place. Your, your, your worship has power to break chains. What I'm trying to say to you is some of the chains that are in your community, in your neighborhood, are just waiting for you to release something in that atmosphere and begin to shift it. Your worship can shift the atmosphere. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua came to the walls of Jericho. And he told them, shout... For the Lord has given you the city. Not shout for the Lord is going to give you the city. Shout for the Lord has already given you the city. In other words, begin to shout and praise God as if the miracle you're expecting for God to do has already happened. I'm telling you, it's, I, I don't know, it's so difficult. We, pra we praise God, we preach, we worship, but it's amazing the confessions we begin to make when we leave this place. If we can just discipline our mouth, if we can begin to speak the word of God, if we can begin to shift the atmosphere with our praise. I'm not going to wait until I see the miracle. I'm going to begin to praise God in advance. I'm going to begin to praise God before I even see the miracle. I'm going to begin to shift the atmosphere. Somebody shout shift. Back in the days of Sarah when she was three years old, she, she would have terrible nightmares. Some of you with kids, I'm sure you can relate to this. She would have terrible nightmares. She would wake up in the night, sometimes three, four, five times because of a nightmare. She would run into our bedroom. Mommy, I can't sleep. I'm seeing this stuff. Mommy, please, please come. I'm, I'm seeing this crazy stuff. And my, my wife would go into her bedroom and, and she would she'd pray with her. And the nightmares would stop. And then weeks later, it would come back again. And my wife said, you know what? I'm just going to start playing some music for her. So she bought this little record player and she would just put a CD in there and play some worship. And we found out that every time the worship was playing, she would not have any nightmares. As long as that worship was playing, she would not have any nightmares. But then the music would finish. The CD would play and completely finish. And then she would have nightmares again. She would wake up three, four times, come to our room. Mommy, I'm, I'm seeing this stuff, and my wife would be like, you go this time, you go this time. And, and, and I'll play the music, but when the music would fit, we found out that as long as that music was playing, no nightmares. No nightmares. And then my wife said to my, to my daughter, Sarah, she said, Sarah, this time I want to teach you how to do this. Here is the play button. Every time you get that nightmare, I want you to shout, Jesus, I want you to play this music for yourself this time. And so one night we're sleeping. All of a sudden, music just blurred out, just bam, just noise. She played that music, man. It was loud. There is power. I hear the chains. 
three o'clock in the night. I'm like, what's going on over there? I walk into that room, and Sarah's like, yeah, daddy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you told me to play that music, and I played that music, and I chased those devils out of this place. I chased those devils out of this place. What happened? At first, she was just a victim to her atmosphere. That atmosphere would shift, and she would be a thermometer. She would just cry and cry, God, this is painful. This, uh, these nightmares. And then the second thing, she relied on her mother to shift the atmosphere for her. But that wasn't good enough until she learned how to press that play button for herself. That girl learned how to shift that atmosphere for herself. I want you to know something. You just can't be a victim to your environment anymore. And you can't always wait for other people to shift their atmosphere for you. It's not good enough. You need to learn to press that play button for yourself. You need to learn to pray for yourself. You need to learn to pray the kingdom of God down into your house. You need to learn to chase those demonic spirits out of your home. Tell divorce, you can no longer come into this place again in the name of Jesus. Tell that spirit of violence, you cannot take another teenager from my community in the name of Jesus. Tell that spirit of heroin and drugs, get out of the city, get out of my home, press the pray button and say, Jesus is your time to shift this atmosphere. You need to learn to shift your own atmospheres. When you learn to shift your own atmosphere, you become a world shaker. Because your atmosphere influences your thoughts, your words, and your actions. A lot of us are in this place and we have great visions. We mean well. We want to do great things. But it just feels like we're not going anywhere. Because you're a victim of your atmosphere. You've become a slave of your atmosphere. You're a thermometer. It's 60 degrees in here. It's cold in here. This wig is going to be terrible. This, we need to change our confession. We need to change our confession. We need to begin to shift the atmosphere. We need to become atmosphere shifters. Stand if you can. Stand if you can. We want to raise atmosphere shifters in this place. I believe that one of my primary callings is to raise up world shakers. It's to raise up world shakers. Say this, I am a world shaker. Say, I am a world shaker. But you need to know this. You need to take charge of your atmosphere. You need to take charge of your atmosphere. Can I tell you some of the people sometimes who who will influence you negatively. It's people who think they're too experienced. I've been in places. I heard somebody say, you know, the doctors told us this can never happen. That's okay. Those experienced people have to do their stuff. But when God has given you a vision, it's not always going to line up with what people expect. Great things are not normal. So you need to learn to shift that atmosphere. You need to learn to come in agreement with people who can believe something crazy. Like this crazy Italian man over here. He says, we can, we can, that, that can happen. This can happen. You need somebody crazy enough, somebody who can believe God with you to shift that atmosphere. You need to begin to prophesy into that atmosphere and allow God to shift that atmosphere. Right now in this moment, while every eye is closed, 
I want you to envision the thing that God is calling you to do. I want you to see it. This is how you shift your atmosphere. Begin to see it right now. See that company. See that business. See it right now. See that ministry. See that change. See that transformation. See your family where you want it to be. Begin to see that thing. Right now, begin to shift this atmosphere. Lift up the music. Begin to shift this atmosphere. Right now, begin to see it. Begin to see it. Now open up your mouth and just begin to shout life. Begin to shout life. Say life, 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 life. Begin to shift this atmosphere. Life, life, life over the cities. Life over this family. Life, life. We declare the life of God. Come on, speak the voice of God. Speak the word of God. Prophesy to these dead bones. Speak the life of God. Lift up the music. Speak the life of God. Shift the